0: Another day, another guest here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. Today, we will be joined by Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio, going to get his take on Penn State football, Penn State basketball, and the Big Ten as a whole. So hit that subscribe button, leave a rating and review. Let's get started.
1: You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day
0: what's going on everybody this is the locked on nittany lines podcast for thursday november 12th 2020 i'm your host kevin mcguire contributor to athlonsports.com and we are one day closer once again ...to Penn State trying to find their first win of the season. Of course, this weekend they are going to be heading out on their longest road trip of the year, going out to Nebraska in Lincoln, Nebraska in Memorial Stadium, a place that has not been ultimately too kind to Penn State in its history. But of course, uh, this is going to be a weird game because Penn State's 0-3, Nebraska's 0-2. We're going to get into a little bit of that in today's episode as we bring in a guest, Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio. is going to join me a little bit later in today's podcast. We do have a couple other things we need to get into Before we get to that interview though, but before I even do that, I want to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on whatever podcasting app you may be listening to us right now on such as Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Whatever you're using to listen to podcasts these days, make sure you subscribe, make sure you leave a rating and a review. Your feedback really does help us with our placement on those various podcasting apps, and your support really does go a long way to helping us improve the podcast, moving forward, and just growing our community here of Penn State followers and Penn State podcast listeners. We want to be as active as possible. And we also allow you to interact with us. Well, I shouldn't say we allow you to. You're free to make your own decisions, <laughs> but we are also on various social media platforms. You can check us out. Out using the username LockedOnNittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. So send us your tweets, give us your likes, uh, all that good stuff on all the social media platforms. Now that all that is out of the way, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. Unfortunately, we do have to begin today's episode on a little bit of a downer. Uh, I promise you it's going to get better after this. But of course, the big story revolving around Penn State football over the last 24 hours has been the updated situation for running back Journey Brown. Now, as you know, shortly before the 2020 season started for Penn State with that road game against Indiana, we found out that Journey Brown was very likely not to play this season due to a medical condition that popped up somewhere in September. Uh, We didn't know exactly what the extent of that situation was. Now, obviously, time has passed. There have been some second tests, and they've gotten some expert opinions on what exactly is his condition. And unfortunately, on Wednesday night, Journey Brown, in a statement that was posted on his Twitter account and also confirmed by head coach James Franklin during his weekly radio program, Journey Brown had to announce that he is officially medically retiring From playing football which obviously is a huge shame not just for penn state football but for journey brown because he was really going into the 2020 season being hyped as a big time college football player uh really improving his draft stock you all remember what is now his final game in a Penn State uniform, it was the Cotton Bowl last year against Memphis where he put up 202 yards. He had a couple touchdowns that were really impressive. You know, you saw the, the beast mentality that he had in running the football. He was very aggressive, very uh, dominant, and he was very tough to take down as Memphis found out. So Brown announced that he was diagnosed with, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher the medical terminology here, so you'll have to excuse me. He says he was diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Basically, you know, in simpler terms, it is a heart condition that makes it difficult for the heart to work the way it should. Uh, obviously, this is a major concern. And thank goodness, I guess, for the COVID protocols that have been put in place around the Big Ten during this current pandemic state. Because if it weren't for that, maybe we wouldn't have even learned about this heart condition that Journey Brown is apparently dealing with. Now, what we don't know or what has not been confirmed is how he develops this heart condition. Is it inherited? Is it something that popped up as a result of something else? We do know that one of the concerns, as far as the Big Ten was concerned, was with COVID-19, the the long-lasting effects that could Be impacting the state of the heart. Now, we don't know if that's connected. Uh, It would seem to suggest that there's a possibility, but it had never been confirmed that Journey Brown had tested positive for COVID 19. We don't know if he had it. We don't know if he didn't have it. Uh, So we're not going to tie anything together. We're not going to make any assumptions here. But what we do know is that if it weren't for the COVID protocols that Penn State was having in place for this testing to monitor these kinds of situations, we may not have learned about this. Journey Brown may be going out and playing football, but he may also be posing a risk to himself as far as his long-term health and his short-term health is concerned. So in in that respect, it is a blessing in disguise, I suppose. Obviously, it stinks that he's not going to be able to play football again. He says in the statement that he's never going to miss football because it'll always still be a part of him. But there's always going to be a little bit that you have to wonder, Is like what would have happened if Journey Brown was able to play first of all, this season, what would his future look like? And it was starting to look pretty bright because like I said, uh, his last performance now that will go in the record books was that monster of a game and really a breakout game. He really made a name for himself. If he hadn't already last season, he certainly put the world on notice, the college football world on notice with his performance in the cotton ball. Yeah, it was against Memphis and I know it's going to be kind of overlooked because of uh, the opponent, but you know, let's not disrespect Memphis. Let's actually look at to see just how fierce he was running the football. And that's why uh, a lot of people thought that going into this upcoming, this season but that we're in right now, that was one of the strengths that Penn State was going to have to rely on, having a dynamic, fierce running back like Journey Brown. And then obviously having a healthy Noah Kane, Penn State was going to have the best running back duo in the Big Ten, maybe even the nation. Now, of course, one weekend of the season uh, against Indiana, that was completely taken out of the picture. And now we have some more context for exactly what the situation is for Journey Brown. So it stinks. I, I do would I would anticipate that he will still be a part of the program in some capacity if that's what he wants. I'm sure James Franklin and his staff will do whatever it takes to help him in his for lack of a better word, journey moving forward. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out this season and you know obviously best of luck to journey brown in whatever comes his way next and we wish him all the best of luck and to stay in as good health as possible and if that means that you can't play football that's unfortunate but maybe there will be some other way to stay involved in the game moving forward hey maybe he'll be a head coach who knows uh, so it's never too early to think about what's next for journey brown but obviously right now uh, what's most important is just staying healthy and unfortunately that means not being able to play football I will throw out something else a little bit lighter, uh, even though it doesn't really mean anything for Penn State at this point. But uh, Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, has thrown out the idea that there could be some discussions about pushing back the college football playoff because of all the stuff that's been going on. Now, as you know, uh, we're not going to see Ohio State and Maryland this weekend because lo and behold, the Maryland Terrapins, who just beat Penn State last weekend, have a little bit of an outbreak situation of COVID-19. As of the time I'm recording this, it does not appear as though that has lingered its way into the Penn State program, but obviously it's one of the big concerns that you have to keep monitoring as you move forward here. Uh, Contact tracing and all that good stuff. Maryland just played Penn State. Now Maryland is shutting their football program down with practices. They're not playing this weekend's game against Ohio State because of the situation. Uh, So that's something that's going to pop up. Now, Wisconsin's Looks like they are going to get back on the field this weekend against Michigan. But the SEC has, I think, four games that have been postponed or canceled and scrapped entirely. Uh, you know, Other conferences you know, like Navy and I think Memphis, I, th- I want to say, uh, are not playing this weekend. Uh, so you've got a handful of games around the country that are once again being canceled. And because of that, you're seeing that you know we may have to reevaluate exactly how the postseason is going to play out. I don't know what that means for Penn State at this point. Obviously, the college football playoff is far removed from Penn State's list of objectives for the 2020 season, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out because for as long as this season has been going on, the college football playoff and the people that speak on behalf of it uh, have always been the kind that will stick to their guns. They will stick to their plan no matter what until they are forced to make a change. It was like that with the BCS. It's like that with the college football playoff now. Uh, I do think that there is a realistic possibility that we could see an adjustment to the postseason schedule. Um, Again, it doesn't really mean anything for Penn State, but just something to keep an eye on moving forward. Coming up on our next segment, we're going to begin our interview with Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio, going to get his take on Penn State, and uh, we've got a few other things to throw his way as well. We're almost at the end of our week, which means that it's just about ready to kick back, relax, watch some football this weekend, and of course do so with a nice cold, refreshing Coors Light by your side. Why Coors Light? Because it is made to chill. It is the perfect accompaniment when you are just looking to kick back, relax, and really chill and again it's made to chill that's because it is cold filtered cold lagered, and it's cold packaged because let's be honest who wants to drink a warm beer that's for silly people right you want to have a nice cold beer because that is the best way to chill out and again what better way to chill than with Coors Light it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies again Perfect for the moment to unwind. So no matter where your situation is this weekend, make sure your fridge is stocked and ready to go. And you don't even have to leave your house to stock up on your Coors Light inventory. All you have to do is load up on your phone or on your laptop or your iPad, whatever the case may be. Go to get.coorslight.com and you can get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. Coors Light is the one I choose when I want to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. And as always, remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Well, we're not quite ready to chill just yet. We probably have another wall or two that we still need to break through before we get those moments to chill. And if you're looking for something that's going to help you break through your wall, no matter what your situation is, check out Build Go. They're the energy gels from the makers of Bilt Bars, the protein bars that taste just like a chocolate bar. So you know this is going to be a high-quality product that's going to help you feel good and help you get through the rest of your day. Bilko is an energy gel. They come in one-and-a-half-ounce packages. You can throw them in your lunchbox. You can throw them in a briefcase. Just throw them in your pocket. or Throw a couple in the car. It doesn't matter where you store them because when you need the boost of energy that's going to give you, Bilko is going to be there for you. It's like an energy drink, but without the crash afterwards. You actually feel pretty good. I swear, my day job, everybody in the afternoon is kind of lagging and just trying to go through the motions until they get to the end of the day. Not me. I'm always on the go. I'm ready to go through and plow through everything that we've got going on, and it's because Bilko is helping me feel good and feel energized, and they come in some great flavors, too. Peanut butter honey is my personal favorite, but you also want to check out the chocolate coconut and the chocolate mint. Bilko, it's loaded with good stuff to ignite my work, like beta alanine, B3 honey, kick of caffeine. It's got everything you need to help you keep going and break through that wall. You want to check them out for yourself? Go for it. Go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, L O C K E D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. One more time, use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. I am very pleased to welcome our next guest to the Locked On the Alliance podcast. He's a guy that I go a ways back in the world of college football blogging, Aaron Torres. He is now a Fox Sports Radio host you can hear on weeknight or sorry weekend nights uh, covering all the world of college football, college basketball. Aaron is a expert in those categories and of course he also hosts the suitably named Aaron Torres Sports Podcast presented by Kentucky Sports Radio. Aaron it is good to talk to you again. How are you doing today?
1: You're right Kevin we go back a very 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 long way Uh, but it's great to catch up, man? Uh, I see you crushing it with this podcast. Uh, glad to join you. I wish we had better teams to talk about today as far as Penn State and Nebraska. But other than that, man, I'm very excited to chat with you.
0: Yeah, of course, uh, Penn State is taking on Nebraska this upcoming weekend. Both teams looking for their first win. And I know you wrote about this on your website, that one of the first times you followed college football, I think was that 1994 season, when they were both uh, killing it on the field. Not so much this year, right? <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, you know, it was crazy as I was just get, you know, prepping my stuff for the week like we all do, just looking ahead to the games. Um, you know, it just struck me of like, like wow, like not to be a jerk because I know you have a lot of great Penn State fans that listen to this show, but like it's just weird to see an 0-3 next to one of those teams' names and an 0-2 next to another one of those teams' names. And I started thinking about you know, my first, you know, experiences with college football and, and and dating back, you know, 94 is the first year that I have any sort of memory at all. And I didn't really understand why a team that was 12-0 and 0 would be, not be playing the team that's 11-0 at the end of the year in the bowl games. But uh, Penn State was the best team in the country that year, except for Nebraska. Nebraska finished 13-0, and 0, won the Orange Bowl. Penn State obviously won the Rose Bowl. Uh, And so that's literally one of my first memories of football, college football. And so to bring it full circle this weekend where both programs are struggling, and I think it's for two different reasons, right? Nebraska's in a rebuild. Penn State has lost a ton of key guys. It's just crazy for people that are about our age and, you know, you and I are about the same age of where these programs were when we were watching football in the early to mid to late 90s, even... Uh, you know, even throughout, honestly, even throughout parts of the 2010s, you know, Nebraska had teams that could compete in the Big Ten West. And so it's not as though these programs have been at rock bottom for for decades at a time. But to think that it was, there's a lot of people that consider themselves pretty young, like you and I, that remember both these guys, teams being national powers to where they are now, both teams looking for their first win coming into Saturday's game.
0: Yeah, it's really incredible to think about how the season has played out. First of all, the sport of college football, uh, for as long as the season's been going on now, obviously every conference has started at different points in time. We'll get into a little bit about your thoughts on the Big Ten scheduling philosophy. But you know, really, you've seen some shaky teams. You've seen some shaky moments, even from teams you expect a lot of. And you know, obviously, Clemson's coming off a loss this past weekend. I still think Clemson's going to be pretty darn good. I don't know about you, Aaron. <laughs> uh, but I do think that we've seen some teams that we have a high expectation for uh, yeah, there have been some moments where they've stumbled. Penn State is certainly among those that have stumbled in the mightiest of ways. I never thought we would be in a possibility or a possible scenario where we're talking about an 0 and 3 Penn State team, 1 and 2. I was open to that idea because I thought that that road game against Indiana was going to be a little difficult. Obviously, Ohio State never in my imagination wildest imagination would have imagined that they would lose a game to Maryland. So. Well, here we are, Aaron. It's 2020, and I, I think you know maybe it's an excuse that it's a pandemic. But I've I've said that uh, it's time to move on from any excuses. You know, we're three games into the season, at least for, for Penn State. It starts to, it's time to start doing some work, as far
1: as the coaching is concerned, and start to see some improvements there. Well, zero uh, oh and three. We're through a third of the season at this point, too. Yeah. So there's no turning back. Um, and, yeah, no, I, I agree, you know, and I think that that's kind of an easy kind of excuse of, oh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And, like, I do think it's fair, right? You know, the start-stop nature of it, guys opting out, obviously Michael Parsons, you know, the, the defense is a completely different unit with Michael Parsons. But, um, the, you know, Penn State is an 0-3 because of COVID because Indiana's 3-0 and and they've been dealing with the same circumstances that Penn State has Um, And look, like part of it is, you know, I I do think like some of it is fair in terms of defending Penn State. Like there was a very sketchy call at the end of the Indiana game that gave Indiana a win in that game. Even before that, you know, Penn State largely outgained Indiana was probably the better team for about, um, you know, frankly, three quarter, you know, frankly, the whole game. They were better than Indiana. They just turnovers at the wrong time you know, can't convert fourth downs, things like that. So I do agree that I, I don't think 0-3 is reflective. Like, like there are some 0-3 teams in the Big Ten that you're like, okay, they stink, right? Like, maybe Nebraska. Illinois isn't good, but they don't—they haven't had their backup. You know, they've been playing their third or fourth string quarterback. Rutgers is one and two, but they're probably closer to an 0-3 team, even though I think they're actually playing really hard for Greg Schiano. I don't think Penn State, from a talent perspective, is in that category, and maybe they got, like you said, so a lack of a scheduling break in terms of having Ohio State early and maybe playing Indiana before people realized how good they were, but I'm with you. Uh, you can't be 0-3 if you're Penn State the expectations are certainly higher.
0: So, Aaron, we're going into another weekend of college football. We've already seen a number of games uh, be canceled once again this week. It feels like that's a recurring theme throughout the season. You look at the schedule, and then you look to see how many of those games are going to be postponed. Obviously, the SEC is being hit hard this weekend. Uh, We are losing a Big Ten game between Ohio State and Maryland due to an outbreak within the Maryland program. I I know you've got some opinions on how the, the Big Ten has handled its situation as far as the schedule is concerned. I got to ask, are we going to get to a point now as far as the Big Ten is concerned where this scheduling philosophy is really going to backfire and maybe cost a team like Ohio State a shot at the college football playoff?
1: I think it's – well – College football playoff, I don't know, Um, but, I I mean, I I think it's possible. I think it's possible, and, you know, my stance from the beginning was that the Big Ten shouldn't have canceled the season when they did. I just never thought there was a reason to make that decision that early in the season, but that, that early in the calendar, but when you decide to come back, put aside the cancellation and restart. When you decide to come back, I think something that a lot of people forget is that Big Ten teams, in uh, 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 speaking to the idiocy of the original decision, they were practicing the whole time that they were not allowed to play. And so, you know, it's easy to criticize Jim Harbaugh for a lot of things, but I thought when he came out and said, we'll be ready to go in two weeks if they let us play, you know, Ryan Day coming out and saying, you know, we should be back on the field, whatever it was, October 14th, 15th, whatever that week was, the Big Ten, I just felt like unnecessarily waited an extra week or two to start up the season and left themselves no wiggle room. And then add to the fact that um, you know they put a minimum on the number of games that were going to take that it was going to take to qualify for the Big Ten championship game. And so you know, part of me like does understand why you want to put a minimum number of games on. I mean, if Purdue goes two and zero and then somehow the rest of their games get Canceled. I mean, you don't want Purdue at two and zero going to the conference championship game as opposed to say a six and one Wisconsin team. So, like in theory, I get it, but I think I, I think the idea that they took so long and that they didn't leave themselves any wiggle room in the event that games were going to be canceled was just the wrong decision. I think you know I started to get the sense in week two, week three, week four of the NFL season where the NFL is. T- testing every single day, that this idea that we're gonna test every day in the Big Ten and there's gonna be no positive cases, just, that's just not feasible. You add in the 21 day quarantine, you add in all these other variables and it never made sense. And now Kevin, to your point, man, I mean, Wisconsin's already down two games, Ohio State's down a game. Um, you know, what, what, what becomes of those teams and, and what really ends up happening, frankly, is the teams that are doing everything right, are being punished. You know, I was talking to um, I was talking to someone who is very close to the Ohio State program, and they basically said, like, that school's essentially created a bubble on campus. I mean, the kids are in mostly online classes. A lot of the coaches, including Ryan Day, are sleeping at the facility because they don't want to do it. They believe they have a team that's good enough to win a national championship, and they don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. Um, But what happens at Maryland or Rutgers or Wisconsin or whomever is out of their control. And so now you look at a scenario where another game is canceled. What becomes of that? What happens if the Indiana game gets canceled and Indiana somehow runs the table? And so it's really unfortunate um, I, you know, the other thing too, and I know I'm rambling, That's right. <laughs> the idea that we're not, they, that we're not going to allow these teams to schedule out of conference games just to get games. in, I thought was the wrong decision. You know, Ryan day we're recording here on Wednesday, Kevin, I don't know when it's going to run, but Ryan day was vocal in that. If they had let us schedule some out of conference games, we would try to play this weekend. Obviously Nebraska took a lot of heat for the same thing. So I get, it's about player safety. I've always thought it was a little bit overboard. I always thought it was a little bit cosmetic to look good, to show the world how much we care. But now all those precautions, whether it is starting late, whether it is having no bye weeks, whether it is um, you know, thinking that uh, d- daily testing is going to solve all your ills, all of it is coming back to create this big mess. And I'm just telling you, it's the middle of November. You're in Pennsylvania. I don't know how cold it is there, but I'm guessing it's not getting any warmer anytime soon. I, I don't think this issue is going away throughout college football season and into college basketball season either. I really don't.
0: Yeah, we did have a nice string of 70 degree weather here, but the temperatures have been dropping today. That's why I'm wearing a little bit of a fleece while we're recording this. The thing I always said was that I don't know if there's a perfect solution for any conference out there. So everybody obviously had a different way of going about this. The ACC and the Big 12, they obviously got started very early on, relatively speaking. SEC was a little bit later, but still had uh, manufactured a schedule that allowed for some wiggle room. Now, a team like LSU is starting to run out of that wiggle room because of the, the second game that they're having impacted. Uh, this coming weekend against Alabama. But that's what the Big Ten was originally going to go with. And then all of a sudden, they decided to cancel it, and then they – come back and they come, they have the the no bye week schedule. So I always thought if the big 10 had gone with that earlier schedule format that they had that allowed for some of these bye weeks I think they would have been in the same kind of situation the SEC would. So you probably still would have had some canceled games, but you had that flexibility built in. Yeah.
1: Real quick. You know, I had somebody bring this up to me and I, maybe you're saying the exact same thing, but what you just said is so right is that the original schedule, which was only released three or four days before they canceled the season it was about perfect. I mean, you really started the, the first, second week of September. You'd remember, Kevin, but there were two bye weeks built into the schedule, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was still a week at the back end that you could make up games if you needed to. And I, and I really thought, you know, once the SEC, if you remember, and it's a long time ago, so I know a lot of people didn't. And, by the way, this isn't – the SEC is totally right. The Big Ten is totally wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But once the SEC pushed back their conference championship game till December 19th, it gave everyone the opportunity to do the exact same thing, to say, we know we've always done this the first weekend in December, but this is an unprecedented time. Let's all push back. And 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 if it means somebody finishes their season on Thanksgiving weekend or the first weekend in Thanksgiving, and they don't play for another two weeks, and maybe they don't play going into a bowl game for six weeks, that's just part of the deal. But The point you bring up is I just think such an important one and the one that's coming back to bite uh, the Big Ten now is that that original schedule, two bye weeks, extra week at the end of the year, it was just so perfect for what we knew was going to be an unprecedented season. And now, like you said, we're looking at this season where Wisconsin's going to get in a maximum of six games going into that conference championship week. Ohio State's down a game. Um, You know, Maryland, we don't know what their future is. It's It's just a crazy, crazy, crazy time. And I feel like this largely could have been avoided if there was just a little bit more patience back in early August and mid-August.
0: So you host a a night show on Saturday nights, right? On Fox Sports Radio. You, obviously, you get a good chance to react to a lot of stuff that's happening on the college football field every Saturday. So kind of give me an idea of what has been something that you've been following on a week to week basis, uh, as far as the sport overall, you know, not just necessarily the Big Ten, but what, what has been some of the biggest takeaways you've been seeing uh, as you're doing your show this weekend, or this season, I should say.
1: There's so, Kevin, there's so many, man. And I know you follow this sport just as much, if not even more, than I do. And, you know, I, there's some really bad ones, like Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you know, I was a Harbaugh defender until about two weeks ago. But, you know, I'm telling you, and I, I know you're watching all the games like everybody else, but I don't know one thing that they do at an elite level right now. And, like, the thing you could always hang your hat on with Harbaugh is he might not beat Ohio State, he might not win a bowl game, but he's going to take care of the teams that he's supposed to and to watch them not able to move the ball against Indiana and Michigan state uh, is, it's just alarming. And I know it's become a hot topic the last week, but like, I think it's a fair hot topic is you can't really extend them at $8 million a year, but if you don't extend them, you can't really bring them back next year because you're not going to be able to recruit. And I'm telling you in the matter of a week, Michigan just found themselves in an impossible situation because I know some people over in Michigan and really even through the Michigan State game they said okay it's a one-off it's a weird year we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt but when you get smoked by Indiana and Indiana looks like the significantly better team anyone that had Jim Harbaugh's back that 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 any goodwill that he had left was gone so I think that's one on the negative I think on the positive. BYU, Cincinnati, Liberty, I mean, they're great stories. And, you know, I'll say, like, I don't think I feel worse for any team more than BYU, which had seven or eight Power Five teams built into that schedule. And I mentioned a minute ago, maybe I'm being a little biased in saying that the Big Ten should have allowed some out-of-conference games because, you know, it would be such a great platform for BYU uh, in a week where Wisconsin can't play a few weeks ago. Maybe Nebraska, maybe Purdue, and I know Nebraska already kind of had a thing with Chattanooga, I get it, but BYU on short notice, they're kind of the old school, we'll play anyone, anytime, anywhere. The SEC, I wish it was the same deal, they're conference only. You think BYU wouldn't do whatever testing was needed to be done to go play at Alabama this weekend or to play against Georgia, which is out because of Missouri or Tennessee or whoever, of course they would. Um so I think there are great stories Cincinnati's an incredible story with what Luke Fickle's done he's right there in Big 10 country I know you've been following his career forever so you know I I think that that's the stuff that stands out and I think kind of the broader thing that kind of links really especially that BYU Cincinnati topic together is Do we have a fourth team? And I think the Notre Dame stuff last weekend kind of altered that conversation because it felt like, okay, we're in a Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, everybody else world. Now it feels like, you know, if Clemson can just get healthy for that ACC championship game, it's a different story. But is Notre Dame that fourth team? Are they finally on that level? I mean, those are the things that jump out to me. They're obvious things. but. They're the great talking points, right? It doesn't get better than talking Jim Harbaugh or talking, you know, small schools crashing the fourteen playoff or whatever. Um, but those are the things that jump out to me for sure.
0: Yeah, forget all those teams you just mentioned. The fourth team is Coastal Carolina. For anyone who hasn't so, been huh? paying attention, we'll <laughs> the, Coastal Carolina's we'll been pretty see. fun. I'm not putting them in that level, but well, I I'll tell you watching. what,
1: they got that power five win that Cincinnati and BYU don't have. I mean, yep. granted, it's over Kansas, which it doesn't count as a power five team, <laughs> but they do have a power five win. So.
0: Kansas is just looking forward to basketball season and I know you are looking forward to college basketball season. I would be remiss if I missed the opportunity to ask you for your opinion on where exactly Penn State basketball is right now. Obviously, it's been a little bit of a, a tense offseason. Uh, you know, last season looked like it was going pretty well and then all of a sudden they go in a slide at the end of the year. Uh, obviously, uh, things uh, don't even get started in the Big Ten tournament uh, before the season was all shut down. But Give me a take, because you are the college basketball expert I go to. Where is Penn State men's basketball right now and going into the season?
1: Okay, well, going into the season, they're screwed. I mean, there's no two ways about that. (laughs) Um, To lose a coach in early, middle October, whatever it was, it's just – it's already an unprecedented year. The Big Ten is already tough. 20-game league schedule – in the best of years, it's really tough. In the worst of years, you lose. You know, one of the best players in program history, Lamar Stevens, and your head coach. It's not going to be good. But I actually want to toss it back to you because I know obviously it's something every Penn State fan wants to know, which is uh, who's next, who's the next coach, and where do we go from here? And what I kind of want to know from you, as somebody who's really plugged in with that community, is is Penn State like where are we at with Penn State basketball? In the perspective that Pat Chambers was by far the lowest-paid coach in the Big 10, 900000 dollars a year, is—is is Penn State looking to just keep afloat in basketball and whatever happens happens, and it's just something to do between football and spring football? We we got wrestling in the winter, we got uh, hockey in the winter, and basketballs. Whatever, are they willing to invest? Can they not afford to invest based on you know the the COVID financial realities? Because. Everyone wants to ask me, and I'm sure they're asking you, who's going to be the next head coach? But I think I think the answer comes in whether they're willing to pay market price for a Big Ten basketball coach.
0: I think history speaks for itself, Aaron. I don't think that Penn State is ever going to seriously invest in a big name head coaching hire. Uh, so I think that they're going to be much more resigned to going for a good assistant coach from a good program. I think that that's probably the direction they will eventually be going with when they make a more permanent hire. Uh, and I, I feel like I know there are some really strong Penn State basketball fans and I think one of the biggest problems they have is Penn State does not invest like Ohio State does like Michigan does in their program. And they typically have the resources to do that. Now, this is going to be a little bit different because of the whole COVID situation. Everybody's being financially hit in a big way, uh, even though Penn State still has plenty of money, uh, but you have to reassess how you're budgeting and everything. So it probably doesn't come in a good time as far as that's concerned. But I think when push comes to shove, if Penn State has to decide whether or not to invest seriously in a big name coaching hire to really impress uh, the eyeballs as far as their, their basketball program, it's just not going to happen. Their priority is always going to be on football first football, second football, third, <laughs> and they've got some other programs too, but you know, men's basketball is pretty much an afterthought in, in retrospect.
1: Yeah, no. And it's not so much a big name hire, but I think if you want to argue and I think it's pretty much indisputable that it's probably the 13th, 14th best job, you know, somewhere in there, Rutgers is pretty bad. I'm blanking on all the programs in the big 10, but it's, it's it's pretty far down the totem pole, is that forget the big name hire. You have to overpay just to get like the decent hire. Um, And so when everyone asks me what the job's going to be, if you're going to pay the lowest salary for one of the worst jobs, there's a lot of guys that are just going to stay where they're at rather than um, putting their careers on the line. Now, if you're willing to pay, you know, top five money in the conference and a guy can justify, well, at least I'm, I'm financially being set. um, You know, I think that's a different conversation, right? Like, like if, if you're making, you know, two point, and let's just say in a perfect financial world, let's take the COVID stuff out of it. You know, if they're willing to pay 2.5 and you're the fifth highest paid coach in the conference um, and you know, it's a really tough job. That's a lot more easy to leave a good situation than if you're going to be the 14th highest paid coach with the 14th best job in the league, so I, that to me is what makes this whole conversation interesting. Is you know, college athletics. It's it's a conversation that when you and I first started in this business a long time ago, that was part of the issue with coaching was: is a school gonna put up the money that's needed um, to to lure the coach that they want? And really, the last four, five, six years at the high major level, money is no longer an issue. Uh, But it is for Penn State basketball, or at least history reflects that they're not going to pay top dollar for somebody. And I think if they're going to try to pay bargain basement prices, they're going to get a bargain basement type hire.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the story of Penn State basketball. So here we go through this cycle once again with the Nittany Lions on the court. Aaron, it was good talking to you again. I always enjoy getting a chance to talk to you, get your insight on college football, especially college basketball. So I appreciate that. I want to give you a chance real quick. Let people that are listening know how they can follow you, anything you've got going on, all the good stuff that you want to promote. Right, and right now is your chance to showcase what you're doing.
1: Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, I I host on Fox Sports Radio every Saturday night with Arnie Spanier. Uh, It's a really fun show. Arnie and I have a great time. um, Give each other a hard time. You know, and I'm I'm on throughout the week, too, just depending on – day, week, whatever. And then I, I do host my own podcast three times a week, the Aaron Torres podcast, it's kind of a balance of college football, college basketball. Obviously, the last few months, it's leaned really heavy college football. Uh, as we get into the wintertime and football ramps down, we'll ramp up with basketball and, you know, some fun guests and, and different people from across kind of the college sports landscape, coaches, players, icons, whatever, media members. So it's a fun show. I I mean, I think I do a pretty good job. I mean, other people would disagree, but it's a fun show. Um, I enjoy doing it. I, you know, we'll talk obviously the biggest games and all that stuff, but it's a fun show. And yeah, man, that that's really it. I, I appreciate you having me, Kevin, man.
0: Of course, you're also pretty big on Instagram too. And I gotta say, if anyone follows you on Instagram, you gotta look forward for a hoodie, Aaron, because that's yeah, one of the funniest was, things on there.
1: That was just a gimmick that started last year during college college basketball, excuse me, and people liked it, so I stuck with it but the college football picks have not been uh, as good this year, but comeback season, it's comeback season right now. And uh, yeah, man, no, it's uh, yeah. You know, like everybody else, I'm just on all the social media platforms, just trying to to stay relevant for lack of a better term.
0: Okay. We will have the links to all the stuff you've got going on in the show notes for today's episode. Aaron, great to talk to you again. Hope all is well. Take care of yourself. And hopefully we can do this again sometime.
1: My pleasure, Kevin, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'll do it again soon. My thanks to my
0: old pal, Aaron Torres, for hopping on the podcast with me today three episodes this week with a guest make sure you go back and catch them all if you missed it the other day we had Brandon Cavanaugh from Athlon Sports yesterday I was joined by Jeff Warren from the Philadelphia Sports Table podcast and of course today we had Aaron Torres make sure you go and listen to all those interviews and get ready for this weekend's game I don't know if there's gonna be a traditional football Friday podcast for you but I will have the live stream reaction for you on Saturday afternoon as soon as the Penn State Nebraska game comes to a close We're going to hop on Twitch. We're going to do the live podcast reaction as soon as that game is uh, over and as soon as I get a couple other things taken care of. But look for that. And, of course, we'll have the audio on this podcast feed. So if you're a subscriber, you're going to get every podcast that we have, including our live post-game reaction stream that's coming up this weekend. So make sure you are subscribed. Hit that subscribe button right now. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Connect with us on all of our social media platforms. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch using the username LockedonNitney. I am Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Dinner's ready. I gotta go.